And I'm not sure if you realize, but this is the anniversary of the first time I ever preached in this congregation. It was actually uh, my first service uh, back on the 1st of January this year. Uh, I wasn't officially employed by you at that stage, but I did preach a message to you. And uh, something must have gone right because you didn't cast me out at that time. And uh, I'm still here to this day. But hasn't it been great to hear some of the exciting things that God is doing uh, in people's lives? And it's, it's particularly encouraging when, I mean, I've been to both services, which has been really good because what was shared in the morning service was so fundamentally different to what was shared in this service and neither of them were better than the other. It was just different people from different places in life and uh, it's just encouraging to see that God works right across all situations and God is doing great things and I think that's what we need to stand upon. Our God reigns supreme and he's interested in each and every one of our lives and he wants to encourage us to continue to walk closer to him. I'm just going to pray and then I'm going to skip through a message rather quickly, hopefully. Uh, If it goes too long, start throwing things at me and we'll wrap it up. Let's just pray. Father God, thank you so much that you are first and foremost a God who loves us so deeply. You want to know us intimately. You want to be involved in our lives. And Lord, as we come to this message, this short message this morning, I pray you'll open our hearts and our minds to hear what you have to say and that we'll respond to that, Lord. We'll want to draw closer to you and we'll go from here rejoicing that we have met with you and heard your voice. We pray this now, Father, in Jesus' name, and for his sake. Amen. Amen. I just want to kick off with one passage of scripture from 1 Thessalonians 5:18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is a command. This is what we are told to do. And I have to tell you, it's not an easy thing to do. I don't know about you, but I've been through some very, very difficult things in my life, and there's things that have happened that I was not thankful for. But I don't believe that's what this scripture is saying. We need to be thankful in the midst of those situations. But who is going to thank God if someone passes away? Who is going to thank God if one of their children is involved in a horrific accident? Who is going to thank God if they're struck with a serious illness? Not only is that the wrong response, that's just plain weird. And so we have this situation where we go through that dark valley And so the question is not so much how do we respond and react to the news that we get, whether we thank God for that or not. It's what happens when we're in the midst of that that really does actually count. We're up against things. When we're in that dark valley, where is our security? What is it we depend on? And regardless of the circumstances or situations around us, what is our rock? How do we recenter ourselves when these hard things come against us and when we're caught in this storm? My habit, when I've come up against very, very difficult situations, is to think about some of the greats in the Bible and then to th- often go and read about those things. For some reason, I always seem to gravitate towards Job and uh, I identified a lot with Job with a lot of the stuff that went on early on. But uh, this morning I want to think about Paul. And Paul was in a particularly difficult situation. He was imprisoned. And the footsteps that he regularly heard outside his cell door could have at any time been those who were coming to drag him away to execute him. That's not actually a real good ideal situation as far as I'm concerned. I wouldn't like to be in that position. And when you think about the cell that he was in, they're very, very different to the cells that we see in prison today. These cells were very dark. There was no windows. There was no light. I've actually stood in the place where Christ was held. and It would have been a terrible place. And so Paul is in one of these prisons where there's no light. The floor would have been stone or dirt. 
And it would have been filthy. They don't clean their prisons. There would have been human waste all over the floor from the previous prisoners. And there would have been all sorts of other stuff there as well. And not only is he in that situation, Paul is also chained. And the manacles that are on his hands and his feet continually chafe the skin and cut. And this guy has no contact with people. There's no one to encourage him. There's no one to talk to him. Not on a regular basis anyway. And I think one of the most frustrating and difficult things when I look at Paul's life is he's in prison because he was obedient to Jesus. He was doing the right thing. And none of this seems to be a situation that Paul could be thankful for. And yet we know that Paul says things like this in Ephesians 5, 18 to 21. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. We know that most of the letters that Paul wrote were written when he was in prison. And out of his heart flows this thankfulness. Out of this heart flows this love. And he encourages the brothers and sisters around the world with these words. And yet it comes from a position where he's in the most difficult situation. And Paul says to sing and make melody in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks. And we know that what Paul talks about his situation and his ability to sing praises to God is not dependent upon his circumstances. Paul has come to appreciate there's more to this life than what is going on around him. There's more to his life than the here and now. And he's focused on that life that is given to him through Christ, the life that began when he first gave his life to him and will continue into eternity. And he's waiting for that moment when he'll step across that threshold which we call death and he will see his saviour face to face and he'll have this incredible life with him forever. And so when Paul looks at what is happening right here, right now, he says, you know what, compared to what is to come, this is nothing. I can tolerate this because Jesus has promised me something much better than what I'm going through right now. And so his focus is more on that and less on what is going on around him. He is fully submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ and the life that he will have with him in eternity, which will go on much longer than this world ever will. When this world fades and is gone, he will continue with his life with Christ. And the writer of Hebrews understood this as well. This is what they said in 12.28. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. This is the kingdom of God. It is a kingdom that will know no end. It is a kingdom that, where we are called sons and daughters of the Most High God. He no longer calls us slaves. He calls us his friends. He reveals his purposes to us. He confides in us. He trusts us. He empowers and equips us. And we are part of this incredible kingdom that will know no end. And there's nothing, no one who has been, who is now, and who is yet to come who can shake this kingdom at all. It is a surety. There is no need for us to be concerned about the security of it. And when we grasp that, when we understand the incredible gift of Jesus and all that his life, death and resurrection means for us, our hearts cannot help but be thankful. Amen? I've got to tell you, I am.
I was lost and then I, I've just got this life now where Jesus just continually provides for me in whatever the situation. And I'll never lose sight of the fact that he has made promises to me that he will uphold. He can be trusted. Think about those Christians you know who are genuinely thankful Christians. These are people who acknowledge God's blessings, who see God's hand moving in their lives and, and, and really look for them. And it's possibly because they do look for it. And when they see God doing something in their lives, they come to him and they thank him for it. They acknowledge that Jesus is moving, that God is doing some work. And they see that God's blessings are poured out upon them continuously. And they do have some incredible stories to tell about what God's done. Some of them are miraculous. Some of them are just mind-blowing because they're so huge. But then they also thank God for those little things. The day-to-day -day things where God provides for them. And so often... So many of us seem to take that for granted. But isn't it great to be around those people? When you're in Christian circles, isn't it the one who is always thankful to God that you want to be around? The one who's always talking about Jesus and everything that he's doing in their life? These are the people who think of others before themselves. These are the people who want to encourage and strengthen you. These are the people who are able to thank and praise God regardless of what comes their way. And they're continually talking about Jesus, the difference that he has made in their life. The difference between most of us and people like that is that they're looking for Jesus to do stuff. They're expecting him to react and respond and fill them with what they need to do work for him on this earth. They have this godly perspective on life, an eternal perspective. It's got nothing to do with what's going on around them. It's everything to do with Jesus, as we'd already heard. Think about the story of the ten lepers in uh, Luke 17, um, verses 11 to 19. These ten guys, think of the lifestyle that they had. When you had leprosy, you were not only removed from the temple, you couldn't go to the temple, you were also removed from the community. You had to live outside the town walls. And so these 10 guys would not have had human touch for the period that they were lepers. If anyone touched them, if they touched anyone, that person was considered unclean, they could no longer go to the temple. And there was this process that they had to go to before they could actually return to the temple. So these 10 guys, for however long that they were ill, had not received human touch. Can you imagine what that would be like? I know some of us don't like hugs, don't come and hug me. It's sort of, but to have no human touch whatsoever. And so these guys, they heard about Jesus somehow and they come along the road and they stand off at a distance because the other thing is, as they walked down the street, they had to cry out, unclean, unclean. So anyone who was clean could actually move aside and not be affected by them. And so they stand off at a distance and they say, Lord, Master, have mercy on us. And Jesus, he had mercy on them. And he said, go, show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were healed. And what happened? One of them came back. Luke 17, 15 to 16. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. This is a guy who was hated by Jews. And by the implication here, it seems that the other nine were actually Jews. These are people who were of the faith. These were people who should have known better. And yet it was the foreigner, the one who wasn't expected to return to Jesus, who realized he needed to go back and thank the man who had blessed him so abundantly. And mind you, this is, he was 
quite a spectacle when he did that too. He's standing off at a distance and he starts shouting out and singing praises to God. And then when he gets to Jesus, he doesn't just say, thanks, mate, and shakes his hand. He falls face down before him and praises Jesus. He doesn't care about what people think of him. He doesn't care about the proclamation he's making because the proclamation is real and honest and true. And he wants everyone to know that he praises Jesus for all that Christ has done. This is what we need to combat. Why did the Samaritan return to Jesus and the other nine wandered off? He knew without Jesus' intervention, he would never be healed. He knew his life was finished as far as he knew it. He had no way of helping himself. He desperately needed to be healed, but that just wasn't going to happen. And this much brighter future that is now before him is solely because of what Jesus did. Nothing else. And so he believed that his praise, his gratitude, his thanks should be given back to Jesus. He realized that this incredible gift that Jesus gave him was so important that nothing else mattered. He wanted to focus solely upon Jesus and thank him. Everything else that was going on around him, no consequence. It was Jesus who changed his life. Think back to Paul again. He could sing these hymns. He could praise God throughout all of his trials because he knew the incredible value and worth of the life that he had in Christ. He realized that it wasn't about the here and now, the circumstances that were around him, the situations that he was facing. It was all about the life that he had in Christ, a life that will be fully realized when he crosses from this life and into eternity. And realistically, that's our prayer for you. If we look at Ephesians 3, 17 to 19, this is what it's all about. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend all the, with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. The incredible, unfathomable, incomprehensible love of God. We stand in his grace and love continuously. It is poured out upon us. And it's a love that caused him to step into our world. That's what we've just celebrated he gave up everything he had and submitted to being fully human so that we could have life eternal with him. He took my place. He took my punishment. He took my judgment upon himself so that I might have life with him. When we understand that, when we are moved by that message, we end up with this real radical gratitude. It's no longer a formality, a ticking the boxes, which is what Jerry spoke about. There's this change that occurs and we understand Jesus truly is the Son of God and he wants us for himself. And you know what? If we have that attitude of gratitude, our relationship with God will go so much deeper because we'll be looking for his hand. We'll be understanding that he does things in, through and around us because we're looking for it and we'll see it. And just like the leper, we shouldn't care what others think. We should be proclaiming the incredible difference that God has made in our lives. And we shouldn't care who hears. We shouldn't care if it's embarrassing. I mean, it must have been embarrassing for him, but he didn't care. 
we should be found continuously thanking him. And when we get that right, we'll not only see God working in, through and around us, we'll also see him working in others' lives as well. And we want to encourage and strengthen and uplift the brothers and sisters that we have around us this morning. We want to see them growing in their faith. Just think about that. If we say we call upon the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour, it is natural for us to want to strengthen and encourage each other and spur them on to greater work with Christ. Is that what we do? Can I encourage you? I'm wrapping up now, so don't panic. Can I encourage you to make some changes if you aren't doing this already? The first thing I'd ask you to do is at the end of your day, just before you go to bed, regardless of how tired you are, pause and think of five things that God has done for you that day. The first time you do this, it may take quite some time for you to think of those five things. But do it. And after a period of time, you'll find it's not five, it's a dozen, it's 20, and all these things will just come to mind about how God has moved in your life that day. And if you're having difficulties doing that, just make sure you get up the next morning and you pray that God will reveal his hand to you throughout the day, that he'll give you those moments where it's obviously him making those God-ordained appointments that you can step into. You know, do you, do, I bought a new car. This is just part of thanks as well. I bought a new car a couple of days ago. The people I bought it off are Filipinos and um, there was a cross hanging on the mirror of the car and I took it off and I went to give it to them and I said, are you people Christians? And they were a little bit embarrassed, the young son, and he said, oh, yes, yes, yes. I said, well, I'm a pastor. Of course, because of their respect towards those who are religious leaders, the whole attitude changed. They started calling me pastor continuously. As it works out, these guys are looking for a life group. They're joining our life group. How cool is that? And, and, you know, we just have to be willing to look for God's hand. And when we see something, I saw a cross hanging from a mirror. And now I've got two people coming to my life group. I mean, it's just mind-blowing if we step into the things that God provides for us. And don't believe in coincidence. This has happened for a reason. And step into that. God will do great things. So five things. Remember those at the end of the day. If you're married... Share them with each other. You don't get to have only five. If you're married, there's got to be ten, five each, okay? Share them. But again, it might be difficult at first, but it is so encouraging to be able to say, God did this, 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 and this. And as I say, it'll just become a habit. And then when we gather together, why don't we ask each other, so tell me five things that God's done for you this week, because you've had a whole week where there's, you know, really, that makes it 35 for the week. It's not going to be any problem sharing five. So please do that. Do those five things. And can I encourage you to do one other thing? We are a people of God. We should be encouraging and strengthening each other in the faith. We should be building each other up. And it seems that we don't do this that well. Will you message five people each week from this congregation? Send them a text. Send them an email. Make a phone call. Send a card of encouragement. Something like that. Five people isn't much. We have about 700 people who come here each week. Five people. And just say, I really appreciate you because blah. You know, we've had all these people share up the front this morning. Wouldn't it be great if they got a whole heap of messages this week? Thank you so much for sharing. I know it wasn't easy. Really appreciated what God's done in your life. That was so encouraging to me. And if we can, can continue that, could you imagine... What an awesome place this would be. People would love coming here because we'll be encouraging, empowering, equipping each other. And we will all begin to see that God is doing great things in this place.
That's my desire for each and every one of us, to know God's presence, to know his work, and to be spurring each other on and celebrating. Because you know what happens when you share something with someone and say, this is what God did in my life. When that is something that really speaks to them, for me, the next natural step is, let's just pray about that. Let's just, right now, let's just give thanks to God because that is truly awesome. I'm going to close in prayer and hand back to the team. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your presence with us here this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your love that you pour out on us upon upon us so freely, Lord. We just ask that it won't just be a Sunday thing. That, Lord, we will be willing to look for your hand in our lives this coming week. That, Father, we will be people that want to encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ. That, Father, together we will become a people who is so empowered by you and so desiring to see your hand that we will make incredible proclamations to those around us about you and your goodness. We've heard about some of that this morning, Lord. Why should we contain it just to this, these people at this time? So, Lord, will you take us, will you use us for your glory and your purposes? Will you challenge us, Lord, if there's people here this morning who need to be prayed with, will you please bring them down after the service so that we can pray together? I will celebrate with you that they've made that move, Father. And I just pray that we can encourage and strengthen each other from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen.